1: Welcome back everybody to the second episode of Memory Lane. Noah Hiles here on DK Sports Radio and we did a Pirate last week. We're doing a Steeler this week and joining us is former Pittsburgh Steeler Will Allen. Will, how's it going, man?
0: It's going great. Uh I mean I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. Um, you know, there's a lot of other people who aren't. Uh, and obviously I'm really, really discouraged based on COVID, but, you know, I'm still optimistic. Um, you know, I'm obviously really frustrated about the racial injustice and um, police brutality and, you know, just the killing of African-Americans uh, in the United States. Um, you know, I want to see a more unified country um, where, where the the playing field is balanced um, and people are held accountable. Uh, But those are things I'm, I'm frustrated about every day and trying to work to, to, to help and do my part. So, but other than that, I keep a good mind and I keep my faith in the Lord and I just, just keep, keep moving forward.
1: I think your answer to that question is really a sign of the times where it's, you know, something as simple as how you doing, And, you know, no one, anymore can just say like, oh, I'm all right. I mean, it, it like what you said. I mean, there's so much going on. I mean, no one's really all right right now. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely a crazy time to be alive. Um, so, well, normally I say normally, like I've been doing this show for 30 episodes or something, but uh, the format I originally had planned um, when I created the show was to start in the past, but actually with you, I'm more interested in kind of starting in the present because what you've done since you've, hung up the cleats has been very interesting to me. I, I've done a lot of research on what you've been up to since uh, football ended for you. And um, there's a couple things I wanna get into immediately. The first one being your most recent business uh, move. And that's um, getting connected with or investing in uh, players media. Uh, read about it in Forbes. Um, you're, 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 you're in on this uh, with, looks like Kyrie Irving, Travis Kelsey, De'Aaron Fox, is that right? Yeah. And and a couple of other, uh, De'Andre Jordan. Um, Tell me what this is and why it was appealing to you.
0: Yeah, it's Players TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And Players TV is, you know, uh, know, a a great source for uh, athlete media content um, and all things athlete media content. And it's owned by the players, right? So majority of the company – is owned by athletes, which hasn't happened, right? So it's a TV net, television network, um, you know, similar to CBS, Fox, Hulu, Netflix, um, and you can go and choose to view any uh, any athlete, uh, female or male, uh, you know, or whatever whatever that person decides to classify themselves as, mm-hmm. uh, to watch about their lives and it's self interest stories. It could be documentaries, it could be comedy. Uh, it could be anything you like. And I think the, the beauty of the, the beauty of it is that um, we can also uh, draw content from other 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 uh, networks, um, which is great because now, you know, it's just a one stop shop where people can enjoy uh, the life, the lifestyle and get deeper into an athlete's mind, similar to what we're doing right now with with what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And we we could put this content on there. Like, we could literally take every episode that you have and put it on Players TV so people can visually see, you know, and get get behind the scenes of some of these athletes, what they're doing now with how, you know, going back behind the curtain and under the hood uh, of, of people that, you know, our society looks up to and our society wants to learn deeper about. So Players TV is great. Um, and it's is, is right now. It's in a um, hundred million homes um, through Samsung. The partnership with Samsung. Um, it's going to be in a bunch of airports and hotels through a, another partnership. And and I'm hopeful that the direct consumer product will will hit the market um, sometime in 2021. So it's, it's going. It's exciting times. Uh, it's perfect times. And as you can see, the names that are involved. Um, add some credibility. Now, now we have to go out and, you know, go out and uh, create great content for, for our customers and viewers. And I'm excited for it. And I
1: think what's been interesting over the past decade is throughout history, sports have been documented through journalists, uh, but now you're seeing athletes do their own documentation mm-hmm. uh, with the, you know, athletes like lebron starting his own media company and he's one of many and with this with players tv where they're creating their own content with it either being a podcast some of them have you know like what ben's doing right now with his uh documentary series tom brady's done it i mean every everyone seems to have their foot in the in some kind of door um what do you think has led to that what what made players do you think players have always wanted to be creators on the side or do you think that it's kind of evolved as social media has evolved and, and platforms became more uh, prevalent, I guess?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It hasn't been a thing. Like I played at NFL in 2004 and and social media wasn't a big thing. You know, no one really cared about their brand and cared about creating these different access points, right? It was all about football and that was it. And only the top tier players had, Access to media opportunities, right, to build their brand. And now, since 2010, and you, you see all you know, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all these different uh, opportunities exist for free. For free content, right? It's free. Like you can't control it. And um, and and I think the major media companies missed it because they were resting on their laurels and they had great opportunity. They had, they were you know had, they had to drill down in their business. And now, anybody can control their brand anybody can control and monetize who you know themselves this way um but you know and and it's whether it's good 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 for society or bad for society right so um that's the double-edged sword we see but i think as it specifically pertains to athletes of all types across the board um you know you can create your own brand and following and put put content out there and nobody has to control that but you so now it's in the you know, and I, and I think you still there's still a place for journalism. There's still a place for that that communication line. Um, like we were in Forbes, I, you know, somebody wrote that up for us. Great, I'm speaking to you now. You know, so it's a it's a balance, it's a dance, and we got to work together. And I think journalists should realize that, and, and you know, they can do the same thing. There could be collaboration opportunities. Um, but this is the Players TV is an opportunity for athletes to own their their. Uh, own their, own their content, build their content and um, monetize their content and, you know, and, and, and be an owner and something that's, that's great. So, um, and a great television network. So I'm, that's what I'm excited about. And uh, we'll, we'll see what the future holds.
1: And I, you talked about building a brand and uh, building a brand as a player and everything. And I think that um, some media outlets or personalities or journalists have, I think, kind of see your your vision that you just talked about as maybe competition or a threat because of the old school way of them always being the gatekeeper, where I think a new wave of journalists, including myself, look at this as a new opportunity where you talked about collaboration and how you can really build off of each other from something like Players TV to someone, you know, starting a new podcast like myself, where it's, it's no longer me talking to you. It's us having a conversation. And I think that that creates better content in general. Um, I wanted to get your take on, you talked about, like you said, building brands. Would, when you see guys like Juju Smith-Schuster or younger guys building their brand while also being, you know, a, a, a household name in the NFL, would that have went over well? Do you think in the early 2000s when you first got in the NFL, I feel like maybe it was viewed differently. Like your job is football and nothing else where now football is just one of many Career opportunities for an NFL athlete.
0: Yeah, I mean the league had to adjust, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because social media is so powerful. You know, you can't you can't uh, hold down or suppress what a person's uh, value they bring to customers and value they bring to fans, and that is a part of it. You know, and that wave and that transition has happened. And if the if the league ever tried to suppress that, they would they would lose fans and they know it. So they have to allow people like you know, Juju and, and others to, to, to monetize and engage with the fans because their brand is still on that jersey, right? The NFL logo is still on, that, on, the, on the V of that, of that jersey. Um, so if they would ever to damage that, those relationships between the fan and the player – then they will be wrong, right? Because that player will go out and say, like, the NFL won't allow me to do this, blah 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 blah, um, and that 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 tide has turned a long time ago. Um, so it's it's acceptable, um, and it's great. It's great for football. It's great for any team that has a mar- has a marquee player and a household name that they can they can leverage and collaborate as well. I mean, you know. Juju came in being a gamer. He came into the league at 19, 20 years old, whatever it was, and he's been a gamer. And, you know, that's a part of his, that's a part of who he is as a person. Um, and you can't change that. And uh, it doesn't take away from his performance on the field and uh, he's getting paid on both ends. Why not? You know, and, and that's, what's fantastic about it. So in
1: addition to the media um, you've quite the portfolio. Uh, I read that while you were still in the nfl you were interning at, at a different businesses and um after football you put some of your money into the uh energy sector of the economy um i just kind of want to talk about not necessarily even energy but um where did your interest in being a businessman come from were your parents business owners growing up or what what made you want to you know take this route in life after football was over
0: yeah and my parents weren't a uh, businessman um, you know i come from very very humble beginnings um you know really you know low income poor didn't know it my parents never let us know it um you know I had two younger two younger brothers and you know it was five of us in a three-bedroom house and one bathroom so you know and the house was maybe a thousand square feet so you know but it was it's what we had and we were very uh thankful for that and um you know, my, my mom worked as a bottomist. she drew blood, and my dad worked and inspected sewer lines. You know, basically he was a janitor for the county. I mean, just to be honest, inspected all the sewer lines in the county. Um, now that's, you know, I call him a janitor because he had to clean up poop or inspect poop, you know, and just inspect water lines, make sure the water flow was running well. These are things he had to do, and he worked a lot of grueling hours and still have fine, fine time to coach us and, um and be, be a really, a really dedicated and committed father. So, um, you know, he, he obviously, I think the turning point for me is when I saw my dad take continuing education classes and my mom as well, so they can upskill themselves for a better opportunity financially and for us. Um, and that was, you know, it was a bit of a strain on our family, but when I saw the sacrifice they were making of getting continuing education and working at the same time, um, and, and to and to pass and to you know achieve you know a higher position at their in their job, you know, that to me um, was amazing. And that, that that's kind of the feel that I have is kind of they had this entrepreneur experience and I'm I'm having more of this entrepreneur experience. And uh, I realized that once I was in the NFL, because they tell you it doesn't last long, you have to know what you're gonna do with your money. And I had Derek Brooks who's a really great guy, really great friend, and a really great mentor to me, Hall of Famer. When I walked into the locker room, he wrapped his arm around me and said, Will, take care of your body, your body will take care of you. You take care of your money, your money will take care of you. And uh, that's, you know, out of everything I've learned from him, those are two things that stick with me the most. I'll never forget it. Um, and I was always afraid of, of losing or relinquishing this this value that I, that I created for myself in professional sports, whether it was um, you know, the, the, the dollars or, you know, even being esteemed in this place. And I wouldn't say I was afraid, but I, I really wanted to protect it. So, you know, i just started to educate myself. And what I did, I went to Harvard in the off seasons for executive education. I went to Kellogg in the off season for executive education in 2008. So I got to learn a deeper level of entrepreneurship, a deeper level of investing, a deeper, deeper level of who i wanted to be in this world outside of sports now um you know and that took time that, that led me to internships later in my career and i realized that um, um yes i was excited about energy but that wasn't for me right um i did invest in an energy company but i don't run it day to day i realized that i i have a gift and talent and value to 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 give to uh, entrepreneurs and f- founders um, and, um, and, in, and people in general. Most, most athletes go into coaching because they know how to coach or know how to deliver a message. They know how to motivate people. And I could have been a really good coach, but I want to I wanna coach entrepreneurs and founders based on my high level of professionalism and playing at the highest level in team sports on how to build teams, how to help teams execute, and how to help businesses scale and grow. So, uh, and I've been a part of that um, through the NFL. And now it's about transferring those skills. So um, I'm an investor, man. You know, that's it. At the end of the day, um, I love, I've invested in real estate. I've invested in tech companies and I invested in um, players TV. Um, I've invested in medical marijuana. Um, You know, my, 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 um, I've invested in art, you know, fine art by great African-American artists you know so you got to diversify your portfolio but I'm active really when it comes to people when it comes to learning and growing and building and scaling with people um, and that's what I love to do and that's what I'm doing now um, you know and that's you know I do a lot I do that through through my foundation these young people these young people that I help mentor you know they they're going to be leaders in society right mm-hmm. so it's, it's the same it's the same fold it's just different different uh, stages or different, um, you know, just different opportunities, you know. So I, I like to streamline and look at the value and the skills that I have and how can I apply them to different areas that are similar, you know. And don't do anything that's over my head or too much. So Players TV, I was a former athlete. I get it. I understand social media. Medical marijuana, it's an emerging market. A lot of athletes already use marijuana yeah. before, you know um and now it's becoming more mainstream and it's more turning more to recreational use and here in ohio and Pen- i mean pennsylvania and ohio um and i'm a medical marijuana patient you know so these are all things that i get behind um and i and i promote but i really my heart is is, is in tech right my heart and what i want to build and do is in tech and working with founders but also education that letting letting um, young African-American women and males know that they have an opportunity to apply their skills and to learn new skills to, to, uh, to really participate and, have, and choose careers in a technology field. You know? And I think that's, that's something that I didn't know growing up. That's something that wasn't presented to me or any of my peers or friends. And now through my foundation and through other educational uh, resources here in the Pittsburgh region and across the country, I'm able to utilize my relationships, utilize my expertise to and uh, in, uh, in other, in other at, um, resources, again, and access to deliver great curriculum and, and information to young people in this region as it relates to technology careers and advancement. So... Um, and I think that's very important. I think that's vitally important as we think about the next 10 years and what, how technology moves so fast and how these young people will be impacted, especially young people in lower income areas and specifically African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, they'll be so left behind if they, don't, if they don't understand the career opportunities that exist and how, how to you know, enhance their skills or learn new skills as as it relates to technology. I'm not saying they have to be quants and you know be high, high level software engineers or, you know, senior software engineers, but you have to understand whether it's you're you're a journalist, a carpenter, or you're you work in concrete masonry, or you're a banker, or you know, you work in any type of consumer, consumer products company, technology is a part of your day. Technology is embedded in everything you do. And you have to understand that and you have to be skilled. Um, You have to be cross-trained. And I've learned these things just personally. So I feel like it's my responsibility to give back, to share this knowledge um, and to partner with with wonderful institutions, partner with wonderful people that that are more experienced than me, that I can deliver to, to young people so they can participate for the future. Um and it's the same thing with business, you know, mm-hmm. you know, utilizing my network, bringing people together, collaborating, so we can make a difference and make great companies and you know and 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 utilize the skills I learned playing pro sports. I know that's I know this is long winded, but this is no, how no, I this see, is all good yeah how I see the world and this has been my journey. Yes, it was somewhat energy. You know, I was very excited about the education of energy and how people can participate. Um, you know, and how people are impacted by energy like I was. I didn't, I mean, you know, why, why do I pay a $250 bill or, or a $200 bill and I don't even know what, what a kilowatt hour is, right? Mm-hmm. And these are things that perplexed me when I was learning about this. Um, and I wanted to do more for people who don't know, but that, that ship has sailed. I'm heavy tech, heavy investor. And, uh, and I want to give back to the community to level the plant field do you feel like you're a real life
1: version of someone on the show ballers?
0: (laughs) Nah, man. I just, I just want to be my very best self. Right. I want to be authentic to me. And that's what Mike Tomlin has taught me. That's what Jim Trestle has taught me. Right. Uh, you know, you, 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 you do well by serving. Um, you be your very best self every day. Right. Uh, this selfless mentality, um, but also being selfish in your education, being selfish in, your, uh, your, your, in how, you, how you look at resources and how you deploy those resources, being selfish in your training, you know, and, and, and all these things. Um, you know, I, I want to be a mastery. I want to be a mastery of my craft, just like I was in football. So um, I learned that from Jim Trestle. I've learned that from Mike Tomlin. You know, those are two great coaches that I've, that I've had. Um, I learned that from my high school defensive back coach. You know, these are things that I can glean and, and point out through, through, through time um, in, in certain buzzwords and education that uh, I, I use now and I deliver to young people and to founders. So it's great.
1: You've played 11, I, 11 years in the NFL, is that right? 12, 12. 12. 12? All right. So you played 12 years in the NFL. Uh, played in a Super Bowl. I mean, you have a pretty impressive resume. But would you say you're more proud of what you've accomplished off the field?
0: Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm proud of both. Okay. You know, it's a lot more. As they say, it's a lot more meat on the bone for my off the field success. You know, I got a long I got a long journey ahead of me. Um, football was just a, I had a long journey with football from eight years old to 34. So now, what will I do for the next 26 years? you know we'll see so that that's kind of how I look at it is you know it's I got I got these 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 window in in time to really uh continue to make an impact uh continue to be to be a pillar in a community to do great business um to be fair to be authentic and uh you know and we'll we'll see what happens I never would have imagined that would have played 12 years in NFL you know I, I just never would have if you'd have told me the first day like you're gonna play 12 years Have a successful career, you're gonna help a lot of people, and you know, I would have been like, okay, cool. Like, I and and that was my mentality. I just took it two years at a time, two years at a time, two years at a time, and I can concentrate and focus that way. Um, and it's the same thing now. Like, yes, there's a long term vision, but I take it two years at a time. You know, I try to accomplish things in two year increments, and that's that work that's what that works best for me. So,
1: so, uh was looking through, let's get into some football questions now. Um, I want to start from the beginning and work our way through it. Uh, I, before, I just started here at DK, Sport, uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm about a month in. Uh, before that, I worked in Canton, Ohio, and I got a chance to really experience Ohio high school football for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, so I was covering Canton area. So I'm sure you've heard of like Maslin, McKinley, those programs mm-hmm. over there. Um, you were on the Dayton side, or Dayton area, right? That's,
0: that's the best football in the state, by the is way. Is Dayton? or Montgomery, Montgomery County, Southwest Ohio. Okay. You know, Dayton is Cincinnati area, best football in the state, hands That's,
1: down. that's what I was going to bring up, because I know it's the, it's the east side of the state versus the west side of the state. And with the state championships in Canton now, and sometimes they're in Columbus and everything, uh, it's always interesting to see, you know, it's basically, yeah, it's it's one half of the state, the Cleveland, the Canton, the Akron side of the state versus the Dayton, the Cincinnati side. And, I mean, you have powerhouses on both sides. I was just going to see, uh, is the hype just as big on the west side of the state as it is in the east?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely is. Um, you know, it's just – but we produce more, right? That's my biggest thing. We produce more college athletes across the board, right? Not just football, across the board, but specifically to football. We produce more athletes. They go play in college and in NFL, um, you know, but I'm a little biased because, yeah. you know, I grew up in that, that region and families in that region. But, uh, you know, Dayton's a special place. Montgomery County, you know, Cincinnati's a special place for me.
1: So let's talk about Ohio State. You were there um, during, I mean, they, they never really have a, a down period, I would say. Uh, They had like, they had like that one year and then they hired Urban Meyer and that all changed. Um, But you were a part of a national championship team. Uh, What? just take me through a, that I want to get into the game next, but just take me through that whole season. I mean, it's, it's a special year of college football when you really look back at all the talent, not only on your team, but the teams you guys faced. I think you guys know he he was, he would have been, was Drew Brees uh, on Purdue that year or no, he was there a little earlier, but I mean, there were still a lot of talented guys in the Big Ten that year. Take me through that national championship run.
0: Well, you know, it was it was weird because it was a lot of unknowns. We knew we were good, we knew we could play, but we had a lot of a lot of games that were close, and uh, we had to come out and win. And every week, someone was making a big play, you know, from Chris Gamble to Mike Dawes to Mike Jenkins to Craig Kenzel to you know, our um, offensive defensive line, like. You know, and Maurice Claret, like every week someone was making a big play to help us ignite us and win. And uh, I think really what the, the dedication and work ethic and uh, just uh, the type of person that Maurice Claret is and, and, and was then, I mean, he's obviously much changed, a different man now. He really He really set the stage for our team. As an 18-year-old incoming freshman, and I'm just gonna be honest, like I give him a lot of credit for his motivation, his passion, his work ethic, man, and he worked harder than a lot of people I've ever met. Um, and he was focused on winning, and he made us all better. And uh, he came in a six-foot, 230-pound, 18-year-old, all like just muscle, and um, and he was running through people. He had no fear, and I'm just being honest, like all of us had to step our game up. You know, and all of us had to realize that, you know, we had something special. And we just worked hard, man. We kept a humble position. And Coach Trussell did a great job of managing our team. Uh, his staff did a great job, man. And we just we were a team. That, I mean, I'm, I'm the, the most impact, impactful thing that, you know, throughout that year is that we, we were so tight, you know, we were so together and we battled together. And you know we argued together, we loved together. And we all can glean from that moment in time, and realize that it was a catalyst for our future, right? Um, as as young men, um, but the year was the year was special, man. Nobody gave us a chance. We just kept winning every week, you know. I'm you know I made two great interceptions against Cincinnati and against Michigan to win the game to go to the national championship. Uh, but you know it was a team effort. You know I you know I, I was blessed, man. God God really you know had his hand. On me during those moments, and um, I, I'm, you know, I can live back and look back and say, man, we we really had some special times. Um, winning a national championship and had a chance to go back my senior year. That was my junior. year We won. Mm-hmm. We had a, we only lost we lost two games in two years, you know, and that was just that was my senior year. We almost could have went back in, you know. I think we'd have won. I think we'd have beat LSU um, in the national championship if we'd have played them or USC. Whoever wanted it, we would have beat them.
1: <laughs> I mean that that would have been a fun matchup, you guys against the, those USC teams. Um, wanted to ask you about the national championship game. Now, um first thing, and this might be a little hard to talk about. You were involved in one of the most notable plays from that game. Uh, the Willis McGahee hit. Uh, yeah. I mean it was a clean play, uh, but I mean that's one of those things that I mean you remember. I mean you remember where you were just watching the whole game, but the, that as a young sports fan at the time, that's probably like the first injury where you know you tell look away you know it was an ugly one um what what was you know what what's it like when you're involved in a play like that when you you you're obviously you're in the field of competition but did you kind of feel for him at the time like when the injury occurred uh just knowing that he was going to the NFL and that that could have hurt his potential luckily it didn't he had a really good nfl career or you just focused on the game at that point
0: just focused on the game yeah you know, I'm, I'm still trying to win national i didn't know he was hurt or not i mean i mm-hmm. seen him laying on the ground i didn't know the severity you know i seen him getting carted off he was crying i prayed for him you know just because I, I know i don't want to see anybody hurt but it's football i've been hurt people have hurt me you know in the games um you know i, I got hurt earlier that season i missed three games because I fell and tore my shoulder. You see that little thing? You see a little lump right there? Yep. I did that when I was 19 years old, man, 20 years old, and it's, I got to live with it forever. I like got the moment. same
1: thing. I did it my senior year of high school, too. I yeah. A like, reconstruction. Like
0: my, in my shoulder, mm-hmm. you know, I tore, tore, my, tore some ligaments and everything. You know? So it happens, right? I missed three games. Like, it's football. That's what we signed up for, injuries. You know that's a prominent component of the game. Um, but, you know – It was a a play. I knew the play. You know, we were communicating before. We knew the formation. They were predictable. And I did what football players do. You know, I I came up and make a play. You know, he got hurt. Uh, You know, I'll tell you a quick story. A lot of people don't know this, and I really don't shit. Um, So after the game, we win. And uh, I get back to Columbus. And um, I start receiving death threats. You know, I start to my school. They were calling my, at this time I had a house phone. So they were calling my, uh, my townhouse. They were calling my home. I don't know how they got my information. They were calling the school and the school, you know, I had to stay home. I had to lay low, uh, because people were thought I did it maliciously and intentionally. And I did not, I'm not a malicious person. I don't want to see anybody hurt. Like I said, and, um, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I share this for with you in DK sports, um, a bunch of uh, news reporters were calling me. I mean, anybody who's everybody were calling me um, and journalists were calling me uh, from every publication you can think of and asking me how I feel because they were, you know, Willis was a big name. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist. And here I am, kind of this known but unknown, you know, player from Ohio State, you know, now making a name for myself by hurting one of the a top five NFL candidate for the draft. And people want to know, did I do it on purpose? Did I do it on purpose? I said, no, not at all. Same conversation. We're talking 20 years ago now. Saying, Did I do it on purpose? Like, how did I feel? And uh, no, it was not intentional. And one, one, um, one journalist, I can't remember which one, Sports Illustrated or Time or somewhere, said, you know, Willis thinks she, and his family thinks you did it on purpose. They think you you think you really intentionally tried to hurt this guy. And that's what you were you got You knew he was going to the league. You knew he would be top five. And... They think you did it on purpose to win the game. And I got really upset, because uh, that's not who I am. And they said, would you want to talk to him? Would you want to talk to his family? I say, and here I am, I'm 20 now, right? I'm 19, 20 years old. And could you imagine having to call somebody's family and talk to them at that young age? I mean, I was immature, you know? And But I said, yeah, sure, I'd I love to talk to him Because I knew in my heart, as a, as a Christian man, that that's not, that's not what i do, right? That's not who I am. I'm not trying to intentionally attack and hurt someone. So um, I called him, you know, it was his mother picked up the phone. i never forget. She was at Willis telephone. I never forget. Uh, and he picked up the phone. I just said, Hey man, it's Will mean, I just wanted to call and check on you. See how you're doing. Um, you know, I just, I wish, I wish you the best, man. I wish, I wish you, would, I wish you the best. And I just want you to know it wasn't intentional. Like a lot of people are saying that, a lot of people are coming, swirling. These worlds are swirling, but I just want to tell you, as a man, you know, you know, face to face, you know, on the phone, that I'm, I'm not, I wasn't here to hurt you, man. Uh, I want nothing but the best for you. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm. I told him I was a Christian, and I'll be praying for him. I hope that he gets a speedy recovery. Um, that was, you know, it was, a, you know, and he kind of took it. Him being young too it's kind of hard for him to understand, um, and I get it. But that was something that I'll never forget. Uh, and then he said something really poignant that I, I'll point out. And I'm not trying to throw Willis under the bus. I just think that the conversation uh, was very you know, um, revealing to me. He just said, you know, people, he, like a lot of reporters and people saying you were scared to call me. This is after I said I wasn't intentional. Yeah, and I said, hey man, listen. I, I, I said, I ain't scared, man. I ain't scared, man. I, I never be scared to call anybody. Like you know, or, or or voice my opinion, or or share my share my um, sympathy, and that's what I'm doing here. I said, but I said, just I just wish you the best, you know. I wish you the best, and I'll you know I'll continue to pray for your speedy recovery. And he ended up playing ten plus years in the NFL, had a great career, made it to a few Pro Bowls, you know. I think he I think he was on a Super Bowl team, you know. Who knows? But uh, you know he's doing well. He's doing better. It was just a moment in time, you know. It was a moment in time. We were both young, and this is you know, almost 20 years ago. So, um, you know, that that was a very impactful moment in both of our lives. You know, we both had long careers in the NFL afterwards. Have you spoke with him since that? I've uh, seen him, we played against each other, seen him here and there, but, you know, we, we don't really talk.
1: We're gonna get right back to my conversation with Will Allen, but first, a word from our sponsors. Uh, When the play got overturned in overtime, you would have been on the sideline, right?
0: I was standing on the bench with my teammates and uh, and we were just we were just shocked like this can't be it. This is not over. I mean, that's what I'm thinking in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it wasn't over and the momentum switched and and we ended up winning the game. I mean, we're just thinking like this can't be over. This is not it. This is not the end of the game. So when that you know when the call oh I, I, it was it was not overturned the flag was late let's yeah. let's get the right let's get the right okay information You're out right. there nothing was overturned
1: I was let's, seven when this happened so it's it's a little the right information
0: out yeah. there the flag yeah. was just a little tardy that's a all little is
1: an understatement it was it was a it,
0: it was, was a, a tardy okay okay so uh but yeah you know it just you know we got another chance to fight and that's what that's what mattered and we we uh were victorious.
1: What were your thoughts on uh, Jim Trestle's exit from Ohio State?
0: You know, Jim, uh, that, that sucked. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a back post Trestle. I'm a back Jim Trestle. I'm a, I'm a back President Trestle forever. You know, he was a man. I don't care what he does. You know, I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, you know, he's a person that I deeply admire, have a great deal of respect for. Um, you know, he really helped me uh, grow as a person. He really helped me. Understand what it's like to be on a team, uh, manage people, manage personalities, and uh, you know, and execute towards success. And um, I, I really, really, really just thank thank him. And you know, you know, because he, he's a he's a special person to me. So it sucked to see him, you know, depart the way he did. Because uh, you know, I know he was trying to protect the players. And every every program has crazy stuff that happens. I mean, it's just it just is. It is what it is. You know. Um, but I hate to see what happened, happened to him, but, uh, he's better now, you know, he's president of y, YSU and, uh, he's doing great. He, uh, you know, he's, a, he's, he has a great life to reflect on, man, and impacted hundreds of thousands of people. So he's a special, special man. So you go from
1: Ohio state to, uh, the Tampa Bay bucks. That's where you got your NFL start, correct? Yeah. And, uh, your head coach, you're under Gruden. Is that right? And your position coach was Mike Tomlin. Is that right? Yep. So what was it like playing for Mike Tomlin before he was head coach Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers?
0: Mike Tomlin was always a head coach. He was just in a defensive back uh, position, like okay. position. He was always a head coach because the way he conducted and led the room. Um, and some things have never changed. You know, he's evolved and adjusted, but you know, he's he's a, uh, He's always led the room. He's always led people. He's always led with conviction and authenticity to the best of his ability. Um, and I, that's another man I have a great deal of respect for because he's taught me a lot in his own way. You know, Mike Tomlin, Jim Trestle, um, those guys are you know uh, near and dear to me uh, as a, as a young man, um, as a as a coach, and you know, I learned so much from You know, just not only as football, but you know as, as a at as a, a tutelage and maturity of a young man you know I got to Mike Tomlin when I was 20 I, say, I, meet, I met him when I was 20 you know uh, at my pro day and then i turned you know I, I, he was coaching me when I was 20 then I turned 21 you know at, in our in our uh mini camp you know so it, it's um you know he always believed in me, always encouraged me, always challenged me, always pushed me in his own way you know and, and to get the best out of me. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy it. And he's, 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 he's like a big brother to me. He's only like nine years older than me, you know, when you think about it. I was 20, 21. He was 29, 30, you know, when he was, when he was the coach, a uh, defensive back coach for the, for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, crazy story. I give you – I got a lot of Mike Tomlin stories. i give you one. I was at my pro day and I uh, already had ran a, a couple of drills. This is before I'm running a 40. And he comes up to me, he got this, this scruffy beard and this nasty, salty, dirty Tampa Bay Buccaneers hat on. And uh, he said, hey, 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 how you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm secondary coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mike Tollin. It's nice to meet you. And he just went down and knew everything about me, everything about my family, the last two years at Ohio State, all the plays that I made. He, like, verbatim could go down and do it. He said, hey, man, you're a great athlete. You're multifunctional. You could play strong safety, free safety. You could play nickel. Like I saw you, you made great plays. He was like, man, listen, what you think you're going to run in the 40 today? I said, well, coach, you know, I don't know, man. Hopefully I'll run in the four fives, low, you know, low four fives, high four fours. You know, that's what I hope I can run, you know, uh, but we'll see. He's like, yeah, you you know, we're probably going to draft in the third or fourth round. Like a lot of people don't know about you, but I do and I want you. He's like, we're probably going to get you in the third or fourth round, man. I, I want you on our team. Like, I think you can add great value to what we're doing in Tampa Bay, man. I want you to be a Buccaneer. He said, You sure you're gonna run four, five or four, four, I said, man, I hope so. He said, Well, good. Just don't run four seven or you won't get drafted. <laughs> <laughs> this is right before I'm about to rub my 40, man. So I never forget that. But you know, he was very straightforward, you know, no BS, told it to me straight. And uh, but he knew everything about me. He was real personable. And I think that's what separates anybody, any leader, is can you can you meet people where they are? Can you give them the right amount of food and ingredients? To help them perform and be great, uh, and, and enough care and empathy so that they can admire the work that they do and they can create value for everyone, right? And that, that's kind of what what I learned from him and Jim Trestle two different methodologies of coaching, but still getting the same outcome, right? So it's really, really unique experiences I've had since that moment at Ohio State sitting in an indoor facility and Mike Tomlin coming up to me with a salty Tampa Bay, nasty, sweaty, salty Tampa Bay hat to where we are today as men and as friends. So um, it's pretty cool.
1: I'm guessing you ran better than a 4-7?
0: I did, and they drafted me in the fourth round. And they would have got me in the third third round, but they traded their second-round pick up to get uh, get higher in the first. So who knows? But he got me in the fourth round, like you said, and, you know, the rest is history.
1: All right. So would you say he played a big role in bringing you to Pittsburgh? Are you coming to Pittsburgh, oh, 100, I should
0: say? Hundred. Uh, well, no, I, I wanted to come to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think obviously he did play a role in it, but I wanted to be here. I wanted to play with Ben. I've known Ben since high school, uh, you know, just because we're both from Ohio. And I wanted to win, man. You know, Tampa, we sucked. You know, I'll just be honest. We had two winning seasons in, in five or six years. And uh, I wasn't used to that. I was used to winning at Ohio State. Uh, and, um, you know, we had really good players too. You know, we just couldn't win. We, you know, we couldn't win. Whereas the Steelers were always in the playoffs. You know, always winning 10 games. And, uh, or I was in contending to go to the playoffs. So I wanted to play for a quarterback that was a Hall of Famer, had Super Bowl wins, um, could lead us. And uh, I wanted to play for a team that I knew I could thrive in. And I, I had my best, best playing days and best, best playing years playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was just a phenomenal experience. You know, it was, it was, the, it was the experience I was hoping for um, from college to pros. And that may have been with my maturity. That may have been with my just maturation as a person, as an athlete, as a player. But I really thrived playing for Dick LeBeau, who's another dear person to me. Um, you know, he really wrapped his arm. Him being Ohio State Buckeye, too, you know, as well. It, it really just transformed my thinking about defense, my transformed my thinking about uh, productivity and how productivity is, is achieved. Um, you know, it's just, you know, he's just really, really a great and special person, man. And any, anybody who he comes across will tell you that he's remarkable. Coach John Mitchell, uh, he coached D-line, but he was a coach to me, too. You know, he would pull me aside and tell me little things about the game, tell me little things that I should look at. I would ask him little things about the game. And Him and I are good friends now. Uh, the, the, these things don't happen. Players don't build relationships with their coaches like that, right, where you can still be friends and still have a, have a level, level set um, because, you know, those are my, those are my bosses, you know, mm-hmm. and for lack of better words, they are. And most, and even in a corporate world, you don't really build a relationship with your boss like that. So for me, it's special, man. These relationships are special. And that's what was unique about sports to me and football is that you can, you can just, you can meet different people. You can break color barriers. You can break personality and socioeconomic barriers uh, by playing a sport and a game that everybody loves but we still have like this crazy racial tension in the world, you know, and it's in the United States. And, uh, you don't get that, you know, you know, you don't, you don't get that. Cause you can't, you can't, can't be a racist and, and play in the game. You can't be a racist. And, and, and if you are, you will get exposed, Yeah, you know, you will get exposed and it won't fit within the team culture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's what I learned playing sports. And, uh, it's, uh, it's been great, man. I, I, I have mentors and, Coaches from all different walks of life, all different colors and creeds, you know? And is it's, it's transformed and helped me become the person who I am today.
1: I also feel like um because you're a buckeye, you had to play at least two years on a Steelers defense. That's kinda that's how that kinda works, <laughs> right? They they seem to yeah. have like a million Ohio State guys every year. Um you you talked about wanting to win. Your first year in Pittsburgh, they you guys go to the Super Bowl, right? Is that your first yeah. season? What yeah. was that run like? I mean, your, your first playoff game, you had the big comeback win against the Ravens, and then you take down the Jets. Uh, take me through that entire playoff run.
0: Um, you know, it's it was really surreal to me. You know, these guys have already been through it twice, you know, and this is their third run. And I only had – never, I've never won a playoff game in my six-year career. We went to the playoffs I think twice or three times, twice when I was in Tampa. Um, so, for me, it was very surreal, and everything was moving so fast. Uh, but I had to adjust, and it was, a, it was just great, man. We, we knew we were good. Uh, we were confident. Uh, you know, Troy Polamalu was probably at the top of his game. It was year eight for him. And uh, Brian, him and Ryan Clark were just on another level. Ike Taylor on another level. James Ferrier on another level. I mean, you talk about that D-line, Casey Hampton – um, Aaron Smith, you know Brett Keisel, Lamar Willie, and James Harrison. It it it's just unbelievable, man. Like these these guys, uh, we have fun though. That's the thing. As serious as these these, these men are, uh, and were at the time, we had so much fun. We just enjoyed each other, man. That's what I really loved about the Steeler team. Is that everybody everybody loved each other. Everybody cared about each other. Um, and we all learn how to adapt and, and, and build together. And that's what was special. And, you know, I was just a small piece of that to help out. You know, I was a backup role and special teamer, but I I see how, high, how hard these guys work, and they still respected me. You know, they didn't look at me as, like, lower on a totem pole in any way. And I didn't look at myself that way. They respected what I could deliver if I was to start in the game, if I was to be on the field. And they, they respected me, my abilities, and what I did. On special teams and as a backup, so it—that's what you want, man. You want that level, that level set, and the respect level to be there, where you appreciate everybody's body of work, and that comes from the, you know, Mr. Rooney, you know, um, and how how they how they treat people, how they, you know, in the culture at, at with the Steelers. So it was great, man. It was a great run. Um, it sucks that we lost to Green Bay, but Aaron Rodgers. That's a bad man.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean the throws he were making, I and mean, we couldn't, you know, it just couldn't stop it. Nobody could stop it. No, it's yeah. it is what it is what it was, and we almost we almost still won the game. You know, we still had a chance at the end. So, uh, you know, uh, that's one sour point of my career is I didn't win the Super Bowl. I wish I would have. I wish I. My last year, I was hoping that we would go. I felt like we had a really good chance. We should have beat Denver in Denver in 2015. You were
1: banged up then. whole team was banged up then, though.
0: We still almost beat them. Yeah. That's the, that's the crazy part. Just those
1: running back fumbles, man, they, they they cost you maybe a
0: couple rings, man, right? You got to protect the ball, man. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a, you live and die by it. You got to protect yeah. the ball. But uh, it's all good, man. It was a great, great, great run in 2010. And, you know, we had some many more playoff opportunities after that. You
1: mentioned a guy, Troy Palmalu, going into the Hall of Fame this – well, he's not getting enshrined this year because of – Covid and everything, but he was elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, what was your introductory moment uh, for Paul Amalu? Was there something you saw in practice, or maybe the first game? What was your? I mean, you had you obviously knew he was really good when you came here, uh, but what was your first like? Holy cow! This is this is a dude. This is the guy. I
0: never had a holy cow moment with him because Troy is very. You know, he's. Uh, you know, he he just you he is who he is. You know, He just he's like that all the time. So to see that consistency, I, you know, is, is really phenomenal. And how he sees the game. You know, I, my holy cow moment with Troy had nothing to do with football. Okay. My holy cow moment with Troy has everything to do with the man he is, his personality, his gracious uh, position, uh, how he cares about people, how he loves to serve and to give back, how he cares about his family, you know, and uh, the, the, the integrity he lives with and the vulnerability that he lives with that a lot of people don't know. So, um, his heart is just so, so good. And I, I, I learned that from him. That was my Holy cow moment. Cause a lot of people of his stature and who he is would, would be very prideful. They would be very, uh, just, they would think that they could be more than who they are. And he wasn't, he was very humble and, uh, and, uh, he cared about people of all walks of life and, uh, and I, and I just wish people would, would look at that and just don't say, hey, Troy, the football player with the long hair and the Steelers jersey on Hall of Famer, that they would look at him uh, for who he is in his heart and, and say, that's who I want to be like. No matter what race you are, you know, I, I want to be like Troy Palomalu, You know, and that that's what matters to me. That's my wild moment of Troy Palomalu.
1: It's, it's fair. I mean, that's a good answer. Um, this one might be a little tough to answer, but I'm, I'm curious to see which – which loss hurt a little bit or which loss hurt more the super bowl or the, the tebow loss in denver
0: super bowl yeah super bowl. i hate to lose a tebow because tebow sucks i'm just gonna be honest like he's not, <laughs> that, not that good of a football player um he's a great college football player but yeah he, he's not that talented talented or skilled or he would have stuck longer in nfl he's I mean, playing minor sure. league baseball right now so i mean yeah mm-hmm. Allegedly. So whatever. Um, But I think he's a great person. You know, I think he's a wonderful guy, you know, uh, whatever. But uh, Super Bowl loss hurts the worst. Always hurts. Always hurts because you you fight so hard to get to that point. Uh, And it's a very difficult road to get to. And uh, when you're this close, it's not like they blew us out. It was like when you're this close, it, 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 you know, never, that taste will never leave. That taste will never leave in your mouth. And, uh, you know. It'd have been cool to come back next year, 10 years, and say, hey, this is the 10-year reunion of that 2010 team, you know, with a ring on, but we can't do it, so.
1: I mean, I, I still think Steeler Nation has a lot of memories of that team, especially, I mean, with black and yellow coming out that year and everything. I mean, the hype, the hype around that team and just the wave of that was incredible. Um, are, you still, are you still in Pittsburgh? You still live and hang around Pittsburgh? Yeah. I, I noticed that a lot of former Steelers, that's the case. So, and same for former Penguins and Pirates. Do you feel like that's a, something unique about the city of Pittsburgh that a lot of former athletes who didn't grow up here, but they play a lot of their career here and they retire here? Do you think that that's unique about Pittsburgh? Do you
0: notice that too? A lot of the older players stayed and lived around here, but uh, a lot of guys from my generation, and, really, and even in the 90s, they left. Like they, They're not here. They're, they're not here, right? Um, we have a few players, you know, Hokies here, Chris Hoke's here. Um, I think that uh, – I think Brett Kiesel's here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Charlie Batch is obviously here. This is where he's from. You know, he grew up, you know, homestead. Um, and there's a few others, you know, but for the most part, the, the 90s and 2000 guys, you know, they're, they're gone. You know, we got a bunch of 70s and early 80s players that kind of stuck around, which is good. You know, it keeps the allure and keeps um, that stiller mystique, you know, still strong. And uh, like you said, there's a baseball players and a couple hockey players, but uh, it's cool. You know, I, I love it here. It's a good city. Obviously, we got some things to work on that. I, and that's why I'm here um, as far as racial inequality, uh, economic inequality. Um, And and just opportunity for people to be upper mobility and trajectory, you know, um, African-Americans in the city of Pittsburgh only make uh, on average $26,000 a year. That's 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 poverty in the United States, you know, Uh, and in the county, they only make like around 30,000. That's not good where, you know, white, 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 the white population makes 40 and 50,000. That's a huge economic gap. Um, and that that needs to change and uh, while I'm here I want to help be a part of the solution and not just sit around and be another stealer you know that's 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 you know that's great but what am I doing in life what am I doing to help so these disparities and that that's what motivates me and that's why I'm here you know and as long as I'm here I'm I'm gonna face the challenges head on and and try to collaborate with people who want to make change and, and, and have a different out- outcome, you know. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's got me thinking, and, uh, and I'm, I'm here in Pittsburgh to do work.
1: I can't think of a better note to end on than that one. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, that's a, that's a really good way to wrap it up. Um, well, one more time, where can um, we check out the content for Players TV?
0: Uh, you can go to Instagram, at Players TV. Um, they have a website as well, um, and, uh, and I'll be tweeting. You can go to at WillAllenWAF. Go to my Instagram. It's the same, at WillAllenWAF. And if you want to go to my website for my foundation and make a donation, you can go to www.willallenfoundation.com. We're doing a lot of work, man, to try to help with these disparities that I mentioned um, and provide resources and access um, to, to young people and to families that just don't, quite frankly, don't have it. So, uh, as Pittsburgh is a city of bridges, and uh, we want to keep building bridges and keep helping people uh, cross the other side. So
1: that's awesome, man. I, I thank you for joining uh, me and the and the listeners. Uh, I hope this was you know a good way to reconnect. Or I mean, you never really left Pittsburgh, so I guess it's you know just you know get your message out and tell some fun stories. I had a great time. I hope you did as well.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it.